Okay, go. go. Good evening, everybody. It's time to start. And happy Wednesday. Hi. Welcome to another episode of the podcast from P-Town with your co-host and yours truly over there, Mr. Interruption. Go. Your turn. Is it my turn now? How, how about now? Okay, I'll go. Now? Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, go now. I'll go. Hi. Welcome back. <laughs> another warm week out there. Mm. Hope everybody's having another good week. Might have some wildfires out here, so... Uh, Gosh, yeah. That we've been having some wildfires, but the smoke hasn't gotten too bad yet. But the wildfires haven't gotten that big yet either, so... Well, California had that big one. Yeah, yeah but all of California here. could burn and nobody would really care. Well, that's not true. Somebody might. Um, we're uh, about a day late and a dollar short here. We had some stuff we had to do last night, so we're getting this uh, put out tonight. So it feels a little bit weird, kind of like a mistress or something. Oh, good grief. But uh, you know how that feels? No. Oh, okay. Just wondering. Maybe one of these days I'll tell you. So, getting into the news, uh, Olivia Newton-John died. Aww. Uh, she played in some movies, but I don't really remember any of them. Grease. Oh, that was probably from your era. Yes, right? it was. Yeah. Um, I don't remember that. I don't think I ever watched that. Did you? Seriously? Yeah. We, it was, that's what we did for, in high school as one of our themes. Was I was Grease. raised on clean living and cornbread, woman. No, you were not. I don't watch shows like Grease. Oh, brother. Okay, moving on. We watch shows like Porky's or Caddyshack. See. So, Debbie does dishes. Um, <laughs> also, looking at the news, uh, we're getting back into football season, so I thought Woo-hoo! maybe we could <clears throat> bring you some football news. Um, hmm. So, you tell about that yeah, guy? Yeah. I'm getting to it. Don't steal my thunder. I didn't know. I didn't know what your news correspondent sent you. My news correspondent didn't send it. I had to search this out on my own. So, Marshawn Lynch got arrested for suspected DUI. And then uh, Frank Gore, if you guys remember him, he got arrested for dragging a naked woman across the hallway in an Atlantic City uh, hotel. And uh, that's pretty much all I have for the sports. Little League World Series is be- going to begin August 17th. Right now well, they're doing the Little League World Champions to see who gets to go to Williamsport. One of the biggest things I would ever want to do on this planet is go to Williamsport for the Little League World Series. That's on my bucket list. Uh, did you see that kid got hit in the head? Yes. By the pitch? Yep. And the other kid went out and... Or he get, went out and gave the this. other kid a hug. Don't ruin this. I'm not giving it. I'm not ruining it. Okay. You're just insensitive. No, I'm not insensitive. It was very sweet. I think did. it was uh, Roberto Aguilar, I think was his name, if I remember right. He took three shots to the face in one inning from Nolan Ryan. Well, Nolan Ryan he, had it out for him. Well, he charged the mound, too. Yes, he did. And so Nolan Ryan gave him the one, two, three, four, five, six. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> So, uh, getting to the news you can use that our news correspondent said, good thing we didn't do the podcast last night because somebody was a little late getting the news into me. Um, it didn't come in until, I think I was almost in bed by that point. But, uh, so here's an update to one of our previous podcasts, uh, talking about Kate Brown. Woohoo! 
Uh, her dad, Jerry Brown, was governor of California for four terms from 1975 to 1983, and then again from 2011 to 2019. And Jerry Brown was given the nickname Governor Moonbeam by a Chicago journalist by the name of Mike Royko in reference to the politician's idealistic streak. So it seems like it runs in the family. Yeah. Uh, it says in the mid-1980s, he took a long sabbatical traveling to Mexico, Japan, and India where he worked with Mother Teresa. Um, well, he didn't pass that along. And Kate Brown's ga- grandfather, Pat Brown, was governor of California between 1959 and 1967. And it says in between the two Browns was Ronald Reagan. Hmm. Usually in between a couple of Browns is uh, toilet paper. Uh-uh. No. Um, bussing <laughs> undocumented migrants. is. It says this is cut down from about four stories. Oh, he like put it all together for us? Yeah, he kind of oh, compiled the story. Thank you, that was nice. Yeah, so I don't have to read so much. Um... So Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who's a Republican, said on Friday he has started to send buses carrying migrants to New York City, (gasps) which is a sanctuary city, in an effort to push responsibility for border crossers to Democratic mayors and U.S. President Joe Biden, a Democrat. The first bus arrived early on Friday at the city's Port Authority bus terminal in Midtown Manhattan, carrying around 50 migrants. And it's interesting because these migrants were actually from Bolivia, Colombia, Ecuador, Honduras, and Venezuela. So that's the other thing to note is, like, all these border crossers and stuff, they're not all just Mexicans. They're people that are running asylum from other countries. There's actually a lot of, uh, what was it, Asian ones or something like that, I heard, that they get shipped over there and then they come up that way, too. Yeah, interesting. Wow. But it says volunteers were helping to steer people who had no relatives in town to city resources. Uh, It's a little easier to enter the country now before it was very hard to come here with children, said Leedy, who had traveled with her kids Mariana 7 and Nicholas 13. Uh, Nicholas age 13, not 13 Nicholases before. She said the family had hoped someone they knew in New York would take them in, which I wonder how just happen to know somebody in new york or something um new york city but that plan didn't work out so abbott who is running for a third term as governor in november elections has already sent more than six thousand migrants to washington uh washington dc that is since april in a broader effort to combat illegal immigration and call out biden for his more welcoming policies Mm. washington mayor muriel bowser bowser was off of uh Super Mario Brothers. It was also he was also a guy on a show. No, that was Jack Bauer. No, of a Bowser was a a person on a show. He was a one of the main characters. Oh, Keep going. Of course he I'll, was. He, you should start it. taking your medication again. Um, he also said her city's shelter system has been strained by migrant arrivals, mm-hmm. and last month she called on the Biden administration to deploy military troops to assist with receiving the migrants. Well, um. It says it's a request that frustrated White House officials. Uh, The political battle comes a half a year after Senator Ted Cruz introduced the Stop the Surge bill to create new port cities in Democratic areas along the coast, arguing if Washington Democrats had to endure even a fraction of the suffering South Texas families, farmers, ranchers, and small businesses have had to face, our nation's immigration laws would be enforced. The wall would be built, 
and the Remain in Mexico policy would be re-implemented. The bill went nowhere. Which, I gotta, uh... What the hell's that? Bowser. I told you it was the name of a That's... character guy. On yeah. this show. Shanana. Nobody's ever even heard of that show. Everybody's heard of it. I haven't. Would Rich's cousin, who lives about 30 miles away from us, tell him that you've heard of Bowser on Shanana? And I'm sure our news correspondent has heard of it as well. Have you ever heard of Chiang Kai-shek? I have now. Get back to your yeah, news. Yeah, now. Sorry. You call me out on my own podcast. Well, Shanana. What the type of... <laughs> what is that? It was... Don't you remember Bowser? Is it like Brokeback Mountain or no. something? No. Okay. Jeez. Not one of the shows I used to watch. See, Shanana. It was a TV series. A syndicated television variety series that ran from 77 to 81 for a total of... Well, no kidding. I was, <laughs> that was back in your day again. Uh, no wonder I haven't heard of it. Um, You were born. And there was a total of 97 uh, episodes. It was hosted by the popular rock and rural comedy group. Well, there's no wonder I haven't heard of it. Mm-hmm. Or never watched it. Well, it's not my fault. You told me it didn't exist, so I wanted to prove I didn't watch World War II either. His name was John Bauman. Yeah, I knew a John Bauman. Wrong John Bauman. Because there's Baumans that own a ranch out by Antelope, and they were going against the Rajneeshis. Okay, we digressed. Back to the wall. Back to... Um, So back to the whole immigrant thing, which I have no problem with immigrants, but all I'm saying is do it legally. Correct. And don't overrun the border guards. And cut, try to come here illegally. That's all that's... Or throw your children in there illegally. Yeah. This next one is pretty sad, actually. But it's pretty Aww. stupid also. Am I going to cry? No, you're just going to get angry. Oh, But what's new? Um, Officer Noah Shanavez... Does the officer die? Officer Aww. Noah Shanavez... Gosh darn it, I had his name once, and now you're making me say it again. <laughs> Officer Noah Chanavez, 24, was conducting a traffic stop. You know how hard it is? This guy's spelling of his name isn't even right. Or, you don't know that, Nemo. You can spell the names ro- different ways. It's called any, phonics. Anyhow. Phonics. Phonics. <laughs> he was conducting a traffic stop in Madison County at around 2 a.m., when a suspect exited their car and began firing. Mm-hmm. Um, the ABC affiliate reported, for an unknown reason, the suspect exited the Buick, probably because they were driving a Buick, and fired multiple rounds, striking the officer at least one time. Before additional officers arrived, the suspect fled the scene. The end state police said in a news release, um, Chanavez was taken to a local hospital and then to one in Indianapolis, where he died from his injuries. Aww. He was a five-year Army veteran and had been with the police department for 11 months. And this is where it gets kind of stupid. Uh, The suspect was later taken into custody after he again was fleeing police. He has been identified as Carl Roy Webb Boards II. Never trust somebody with that many names. Um, He's 42 years old. A look at Boards' lengthy criminal history... Shows he was sentenced to a 25-year aggravated sentence in connection to a 2006 incident in which he shot at Indiana, Indianapolis police officers. Um, Boards was originally charged with attempted murder, possession of a firearm by a serious violent felon, 
Three counts of resisting law enforcement, possession of a Schedule One controlled substance, which was ecstasy, and carrying a handgun without a license. In August of 2007, a jury found Boards guilty of criminal recklessness, two counts of resisting law enforcement, uh, possession of ecstasy, and carrying a handgun without a license. He claims that on the night in question, he was patrolling Indianapolis for terrorists and that he shot toward the police officers only because he did not want them to interfere with his protective mission. So he's crazy. Well, one, that he's crazy. And then two... Why was he out? Why was he out? If he was sentenced to 25 years in 2006, I'm not a math genius, but that would be like 2031. So and we're in 2022. Why is he out? Because our court system in the United States sucks the Bengwankies. Well, they failed this poor man and his family. He was only 24 years old. Yeah. He'd only been on the force for 11 months. I know. But see, he needs to realize that every morning when he puts on his uh, officer uniform, he is making the choice to get killed. I have words for that, and I'm glad. I hope you all know he's being very sarcastic right now. Yeah, that's what the freaking woke media wants you to believe and all that other crap. Exactly. I think every time those uh, thug banger dimwits, every time they rob someplace, they're making the choice to be killed. Exactly. There's no more of this. One of these days, it's going to come down to where men are going to become men. And uh, hopefully, at least. Right. Men are men and sheep are nervous. No, not that. Um, That's very sad. I'm so sorry for his family. Yeah, that sucks. Kind of put a damper. I don't even want to do the podcast anymore. Well, you're talking about Russians in Afghanistan. No, I'm not. So. I'm talking about Roger Mosley from Magnum P.I. died. I think he was the rich guy that kept Tom Selleck in line. Oh. I think that's who that Roger Mosley was. What was his nickname? Or He only had like a one-word name. Yeah. Yeah. I'll look it up. Okay, you look it up, and we're going to get into the podcast now. Okay. So, Russians in Afghanistan, as somebody gave you a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! Uh, this took place from 1979 to 1989. Um, it's known as the Soviet War in Afghanistan, or the Afghan War, or the Afghan Jihad. Jihad. Uh, the name you use kind of depends on the side of the war that you were on. Um so, all the way back in 1921, Afghanistan and the Soviet Union had created a friendship agreement. I think they even pinky swore on it. At the time, uh, the British owned a lot of the area in Central Asia and Russia, and uh, or in Central Asia, sorry, and Russia thought that using Afghanistan as a base, uh, or thought they were going to use it as a base as a revolutionary advance toward India. Um, Afghanistan had just gained their independence from Britain a couple years earlier, um, but it seemed the Brits were still in control of India at the time, and I think Russia was kind of using Afghanistan as a hopscotch down there to uh, go and get their own part of India, I guess. But for years afterwards, Russia and then the Soviet Union, they offered financial and political and military support to Afghanistan. Then around 1947, British India also split and it became known as or it became as what we know now as India and Pakistan Roger mostly oh it wasn't the one dude he was the pilot yeah he was the pilot yeah 
He was the helicopter pilot Theodore T.C. Calvin in the series Magnum P.I. Yeah, he was cool. I liked him. I'm sorry, buddy. Huh. Well. He was born in 71. Yeah. Whoa. He the same year. He's not much older than you. Nope. 71? You better watch your P's and Q's. I know. I know. Anyhow. You find yourself out there. We digress. Feeding worms right along with them. Right. Okay. Anyhow. Uh... So, as you can guess, Pakistan or India and Pakistan broke up, and so with this happening, Afghanistan was trying to annex the Pashtun parts of Pakistan back into Afghanistan. And as you can guess, Pakistan didn't want this to happen, and uh, at that time, they were also allied with the U.S., which didn't help matters. And the U.S. was helping Pakistan, uh, and although Afghanistan was wanting wanting to get arms with us, we refused. It seems like we just give arms out to anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, which then pushed them closer to the Soviet Union. So they were trying to get uh, stuff from us, and we wouldn't give it to them. So they moved over to the Soviet Union. And uh, Afghanistan, they tried to get into Pakistan a couple of times, but they got worked over pretty good, and they were unsuccessful. Uh, these attempts took place in 1960 and 1961. And then after that, the king of Afghanistan forced the guy who was really running the show, who was actually running Afghanistan at the time, uh, to resign. And the crisis was pretty much resolved at that point. And then the new guy that they brought in as prime minister was working well with the West, which then that angered the Soviet Union, so it caused them to get madder. And also along with this, I'm I'm kind of trying to... I had a hard time figuring out while I was doing the research if the Soviet Union is the bad guys in this, mm-hmm. or if they're just helping out the bad guys, or if they're the good guys. Who or they wh- are. Who they are, yeah. it's I'm not sure wh- what they identify as, to use today's terms. Right. Yeah. They could identify as camel jockeys, or what? other things that they do with camels over there. I don't, I don't believe that. It happens. No, it doesn't. Oh, it probably does. Ugh. No. I bet every once in a while it no. probably does. No, okay. Maybe on cold nights up in the mountains? Nope. Might. But after about 10 years, the guy uh, that was forced to resign, his name was Mohammed Daoud Khan? Day. Daoud? Daoud. I gotta get hooked on phonics. <laughs> um, he used Soviet-trained Afghan soldiers to stage a coup against the king. This resulted in the establishment of the first Afghan republic. Which, as an interesting side note, this Dowd Khan guy and the king, they were actually cousins. And it seems like a lot of the warring tribes over in Afghanistan are all related in one way or another. Kind of like in the south around here. Probably makes for some pretty interesting family reunions. How's it going there, Uncle Brother? No. Hey, Auntie Sister. Go. You know what I'm getting at. Right? I do. Okay, mm-hmm. just yeah. checking. Sometimes you're a little slow in those things. Yeah, I know. They, you know what they call them a toothbrush? Oh, gosh. To brush your one tooth. Yeah. Yeah. They were made in the South. Uh. Um, But anyhow, uh, this dad guy, he was proxy warring against them, um, against Pakistan. And he was basically supplying arms and whatnot to anti-Pakistani groups. And then the Soviets were supporting him because Pakistan was allies with the U.S. and China at the time. So the Soviets didn't like that either. 
But the Soviets, they were all they were doing all this stuff behind the scenes because they didn't want to weaken their relations with the other Islamic countries. Because right now they're f- kind of facing an issue where they've got Islamic people fighting Islamic people, mm-hmm. and that just doesn't work out. They're supposed to kill the infidels of the West. Infidels. Infidels. Yeah. Not other camel people. So the Soviets were also hoping that Afghanistan's aggressiveness would weaken their ties to the West. And also seems like, uh, or this whole behind-the-scenes type of things. it kind of seems like back in the schoolyard where one kid's telling another kid to do something so they won't be the ones getting in trouble. What are you laughing about? It happens. I understand. I was usually always a kid that was, hey, go over there and do this. And I know. I, I was dumb enough to go do it. Mm. Anyhow. So in return, Pakistan started supporting Afghans who were critical of this proxy war that was going on. So you got guys in Afghanistan that are supporting people in Pakistan that don't like the Pakistanis. But then you got guys in Pakistan that are supporting people in Afghanistan that don't like the <clears throat> Afghanistanis. So why didn't everybody just split and go back to their own places and everything would be hunky-dory? Right. Um, so these people in Afghanistan, uh, they were still vying for power over there. They didn't like the way that Dowd was running the place. And eventually in 1978, they were able to throw overthrow him again and have him killed. Oh. Which, that's kind of the way things go over there in those areas. If you don't just get simply overthrown or voted out. So now these new uh, camel jockeys, they created the Democratic Republic of Afghanistan and they signed another treaty of friendship with the Soviets. So they're getting together for tea and all that other good stuff. Um, But even in this new government, there were still two factions going along. And so there were more problems. Uh, Some of them were wanting a more Soviet-style rule in the country and some weren't. And eventually, uh, the deputy prime minister got tired of it and killed the new t- new prime minister in 1979. <clears throat> Good grief. They pr- get results over there, I tell you what. <coughs> um, but actually, to be fair, he just didn't out-and-out kill him. He, oh. yeah, he had him arrested, and then he had him killed. Hmm. It's kind of like in Silverado, I think it was, where they had that guy, and they says, don't worry, we're going to take you to court, we're going to give you a fair trial, and then a proper hanging. Oh. So they kind of outline what's going to happen to you. If you're, but if you're over there in those Middle Eastern countries and you're in power, when you get voted into power, you might as well start just filling out your will because you're going to be in power until you die or until you get killed. Mm. So one of the main issues with this guy was that uh, the guy who got killed was making too many radical re- reforms and he was making changes to the Islamic law, which the... You don't mess with their camels, and you don't mess with their religion over there. That's all I got to say. Uh, once this came out, though, there was an uprising, and since the government was still being helped uh, by the Soviets, they ended up capturing and killing up to 27,000 people. Yeah. Good grief. Yeah. So, obviously, this causes more violent outbursts across the country, and people were going against the army and against the Soviets in the country. Even the guys in the army were getting out because they didn't want to have to be fighting their own people. And it said in 1978, the army had about 110,000 men. And by 1980, that number had dropped to about 25,000. Good grief. Yeah, so they were... Wait, so they were allowed to quit, but they didn't get killed? I thought if well, you went against your... I think they were... I think that's where the jihadist people come in. Oh. 
they quit the army and went out and formed their own groups is what I think. Oh, I got you. But anyhow, with all this going on, uh, you know what the problem with winning two world wars is? Anytime there's a problem in the world, who do people call on? And then... Superman. No. Oh. And then the U.S., they seem to be like a drunk teenager on prom night because they can't say no to anything. So we end up getting in there. And the Pakistanis were lobbying the U.S. to help the insurgents in Afghanistan. So the U.S. sent in the CIA to help out the insurgents to actually promote more Soviet involvement in the outbreaks. And I think... I think they were want they to help the out the insurgents to actually promote more Soviet involvement in the outbreaks. So I think if they promote if they kind of lured the Soviets into doing more, then it would get them painted more as the bad people in the whole thing. Oh. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And they would want to kick the Soviets out. Um, and it all kind of becomes a game of chess at one point. You make this move, I'll make that move. Mm-hmm. Uh, countries would look favorably at the U.S., but not so much the Soviet. Um, but the U.S. was just sending non-military assist- assistance at the time. Basically, they were just sending medical equipment and radios and different things like that to help them out. So since the Afghan and Soviet governments had this treaty with one another, the Afghans reached out to have the Soviets send in some help. And so the Soviets sold them some helicopters, and they all sent in some armored vehicles and some tanks. to. Uh, basically, they just sent these things in to help protect Kabul, the capital over there. And once the Soviets started sending help, uh, the Afghans started asking for more and more. So now they were asking for battalions of troops to be sent in, as well as warplanes and whatnot. And the KGB was sending information back to Moscow that the current Prime Minister of Afghanistan was doing more to destabilize the situation instead of making things better. And the Soviets now were believing that his loyalties to Moscow were coming under suspicion. So... This is where it kind of turns the tide a little bit. So they found out, um, or the Soviets, they found out that he was having talks with China, or with China as well as with the U.S., and they accused him of being a CIA agent. Um, And if you remember, the Soviets, they weren't wanting to have direct military involvement in this, but by them sending planes and troops and all that stuff, yeah, they were getting pretty direct. Yeah. so they didn't basically they didn't want to get involved in another country's civil war kind of thing too but they also felt that their uh involvement would look bad amongst the afghan people but they eventually turned around and uh ended up sending troops in and as their suspicions grew the soviets uh they decided to do something about all this so they started an invasion of afghanistan so it seems like afghanistan was fighting against one another and then the soviets came in and said i'm just going to take it all over like when your kids are fighting, you go in and you just smack the crap out of both of them and then you solve the problem. Uh, they had their guys to tell the tank commanders that they needed to do the maintenance cycles of their tanks and other equipment. So this is what the Soviet guys were telling um, oh the guys that were the tank commanders. Yeah. When they were coming in, they told these guys, hey, you guys need to do your tank, your tank yeah. maintenance cycles and whatnot and all the other equipment. So while these things were out of service, the Soviets sent in some airborne troops into Kabul to join their ground forces uh, that they had there. Um, the Afghan prime minister, he must have gotten wind of this ahead of time because uh, he and some of his top officials, they moved elsewhere so they would be safe from what was going on. And it only took about three days for the Soviets to basically cripple the Afghan army 
and take control of the whole place. Wait, if he knew about it, why didn't he warn everybody else? Because a lot of those guys are just looking out for number one. Well, apparently. They only care about themselves. Oh my gosh. Um, so then the Soviets, they announced on Radio Kabul that Afghanistan had been liberated from Amin's rule. And that was the name of the prime minister guy that I was talking about. But now the Russians, they weren't really doing all this for good of the Afghan people. They're kind of uh, like I, our government, where they make it seem like they are there are there to help. But basically, they're wanting to prop up their own government. And it didn't take long until the Soviets had control of most of the major cities. But they had the problem of the jihadists, who were using guerrilla tactics against them. And the jihadists basically had control of the mountain and outlying areas. And uh, the Soviets had control of the cities. And the Soviets were trying to counterattack this, but they found that to be rather ineffective. So then the U.S. started supplying anti-aircraft arms to the jihadists, and they were now able to take out the Soviet airplanes in the areas. Um, So now it's becoming an international affair all over the place. Uh, Before the invasion, there were just a few countries that were helping out the Mujahideen guys. But after the invasion, a lot of countries were sending, they were basically sending their older weapons and whatnot to the Mujahideen Mm -hmm. that uh, they weren't using anymore. Uh, They weren't involving themselves directly with military forces, but there were a bunch of countries that were sending them arms and stuff like that. It was said that between the U.S., the Saudis, and China, there was between 6 and $12 billion sent. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so a pretty good chunk of change. But also, uh, like I said, the Soviets had control of the cities. It said that about 80% of the country is outside of the major cities. Mm-hmm. And this is where the Mujahideen guys would uh, use their guerrilla warfare tactics to inflict heavy casualties on the Soviets. And then they would send jets over these places, and the Mujahideen would hide out till the jets left and then come back. And it's kind of like the same thing that happened in Vietnam uh, and in Afghanistan and in Iraq. You can't really... S- tell the difference between the guys oh, you know what i mean yeah so the guys come into town they look all normal and stuff then they leave while you're there and then they come back in and kill everybody and rape their camels and fly their carpets all over the place oh and gosh. No. then get out but uh the soviets uh they seem to be acting like they were just trying to take out the mujahideen guys but even the passive people of afghanistan were kind of getting mad and they were starting to uh join the Mujahideen and get in with them. Then the Soviets would bomb the entire village where they fought, uh, or where they thought there was a large presence of rebel forces. And if they went in and took over a village, many of the people there would either be tortured or killed. So I changed my last statement. I kind of think the Soviets were bad in this. I'm thinking so. Because I actually read a book. It was called uh, A Thousand Splendid Sons. It was written by the same guy who wrote uh, Kite Runner. And it's... uh, his name is Khalil something, something, something. Yeah. Anyhow, um, it, it's a fictional book, but he talks about this, about how when the Russians were there, everything was so bad, but then the um, Taliban came in and took over the place. Spoiler alert. Hmm. And it got even worse. So the other thing is there were multiple tribes that the Soviets would end up fighting. Oh, Khalid Hussani. Or Hus- yeah, that's the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty good book. I think I've still got it if you want to read it. If you read like one page a night <laughs> before you fall asleep, you could probably have it read in almost a year. Let's see. Let's see? That's such a good idea. 
Yeah. I should try that. It's about setting small goals for yourself. Right. You don't have to eat the whole elephant at once. Right. Just you one just one bite at a time. time. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. You should think about that. Um, so the other thing is there were multiple tribes that the Soviets would be fighting. Uh, in 1985, the seven most notable tribes kind of they came together to assist each other in the war effort. And they were also getting people from the other Muslim nations to join in their fight. So there were other uh, Mujahideen guys coming in from other countries because they were basically turning this into a holy war at oh. this point. And Islam's, they, everything becomes holy at some point. Uh, a lot of them actually become holy, especially when they blow themselves up with bombs. Oh, stop. They become holy all over the place. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's crazy. Lord, he apologizes. Mm. Pray for the pygmies down there in New Guinea. Mm. Amen. But uh, <laughs> probably the most notable, who do you think the most notable Mujahideen fighter was that came and helped out in the How Soviet Afghanistan war? You should know. Oh, that guy we killed. Yeah. Osama bin Laden. Yep. He was one of the Mujahideen fighters that came out and helped out against the Soviets. Oh, my. Um, He's a bad dude. Yeah. The other thing the Mujahideen guys were doing were they were starting to form attacks inside the Soviet territory, which is pretty smart if you think about it, because, well, it's kind of like in the war against Ukraine. Instead of defending your own war you, or your, your own yeah. place, you kind of circle around the enemy and start attacking them on their home ground. So then they have to defend their own. How do you like it, sucker? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty good idea. Um, but the thing is, with these things, they weren't going in and it, like taking over the places. They were just kind of like hit and run off deals that they were doing. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of sustained fighting going on. I think they were just kind of wanting to be a thorn in the side of the Soviets and letting them know that they were still there. But then as early as 1983, uh, the Soviets... It doesn't seem like they were looking at a long-term plan in Afghanistan because in 1983, they'd already been looking at an exit strategy out of there. It really wasn't their war to fight in the end anyhow. And it was the Mujahideen that was rising up against the new government. Um, and I think the Soviets were kind of end up going a bit too far. So in 1985, they're working on turning things over to the Afghan armed guard. And letting them take it over, kind of like what we did in Iraq. You know, we went in, took the place over, then turned it over to the Iraqi National Police or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, the Soviets would be handing things over to them in small bits, but the they would still be running all the big operations and things like that because they really didn't have enough guys to, the Afghans didn't really have enough guys to run that. But with the Soviets retreating, the government was uh, also starting to initiate reforms to get back in good graces with the Mujahideen people. Um and the Russians at that point, they were also having heavy casualties inflicted on them. And the government even stated they would be having parliamentary elections for the first time in 19 years at that point. And then the other thing that also happened around this time uh, was that Gorbachev became the, the leader of the Soviet Union in 1985. And with his new foreign and domestic policies, it also helped to instigate the Soviet departure. And so then by 1987, they started to actually remove all their forces. And 1987? Yeah. Okay. You remember watching that on Channel 1 or whatever in school when right. they had the TVs and at like, what was it, like 9.30 every morning, the TVs would all turn on? Yep. That they're all Up possessed. Up the Yeah. Yeah. Um, but eventually they had them all out. I think it was early... I don't remember. I didn't, I didn't see that, actually. I think it was like 
early 90s maybe that they were finally totally out of Afghanistan um, but I don't think like I'd mentioned before I don't think in the ensuing years the Afghan people were much better off uh, the, you know with the Taliban guys coming in and stuff there was a video that we saw not so long ago um, that people were basically falling off of airplanes leaving Afghanistan. Oh, that's Remember right. that? Yes. Yeah. Because they wouldn't let him on because the planes were filled. Yeah. Oh. The other thing, though, is maybe, you know, you go and marry these gals, all right, over there in Afghanistan, and they always have those burkas covering their face. And maybe she finally took her burka off, and he's like, I'm getting the hell out of here. That woman... She, like the south end of a camel no. traveling north. No. Yeah. That's awful. You put the burka back on. Ugh. You cover up that tooth. Hey. But anyhow, uh, that's pretty much it. I know that I condense this down a, quite a bit, but it's kind of hard to sum up an entire war in one episode. Um, there's probably a lot more that you could put in here, but um, it's also hard when I'm the only one doing the research out of the two of us. It seems like I pack a lot of the weight around here, and not just on my belly. <sighs> Anywho, I hope everybody has a great rest of your week. Hey. Stay hydrated, stay cool. Yeah, and what do we hope for this weekend? An antelope. Yeah, I'm going antelope hunting, and hopefully I kill one. Hopefully I... be nice to see one, actually, out in the wild. Are antelope and pronghorn the same thing? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Pronghorn antelope is what they call them. Okay. Yeah. Well... So, um, everybody have a good week. Uh, yes, be safe. It's a pretty long episode. Well. And know. don't forget, even especially in this heat, don't forget our motto of the podcast, our new motto. Oh, dear. We have a motto. Yeah. A new one. I didn't know we had one, but we have Yeah, one. we talked about it last week, too. We did? Yeah. No, we're not doing don't that. Don't sweat the no, petty things no. and don't pet the sweaty things. No. That's the motto. I'm going to create shirts that have that on it. I'm going to say P-Town Podcast, and that's going to say don't sweat the petty things and don't pet the sweaty things. Somebody come up with a new motto for us, please. Okay. Okay. That's it. Over and out. Sayonara. Have a good week. Thanks. You too.